Hey guys, if I could have just a moment of your time, go subscribe to the Zedunks NFL YouTube channel, spelled the exact same way as the podcast. On that YouTube channel is separate content from the podcast entirely. We review NFL seasons for all 32 teams in the league. You'll love it. Go check it out and please bless me with a subscribe. Have a great day and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Zedunks NFL. This episode, I have a guest, Dan. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on. And uh, this episode, we're going to be digging into the Bears, the Chicago Bears 2020 season, getting on the ins They're and outs. down. <laughs> getting on the ins and outs of our favorite players, our most disappointing players, team strengths, team weaknesses, and what we can expect moving forward. So without further ado, I'll start us off. One of my most favorite players on this team, he used to play for the Jags, is A-Rob, a.k.a. Allen Robinson. You talk about inconsistency at the quarterback position. A-Rob is showing year in, year out. He can be a top 10 wide receiver no matter who's throwing him. No, absolutely, man. I totally agree with you. A-Rob is definitely one of my favorite players on the roster currently right now. He didn't actually make my list because I actually chose Darnell Mooney, the rookie that we had picked up. I think he was a second rounder, I do believe. I'll tell you what, man, this kid is going to come out, and whether he's playing for us or somebody else, he's going to be an absolute monster in this league. The kid ended up, the end of the season, he ended up, he had 98 targets for 61 grabs, 631 yards, and four touchdowns, which is pretty good for rookie numbers having either, you know, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky throwing you the ball. So Right. Um, I think he, he set a rookie record for Bears receiving yards, so that's something... I, I would have to look into that a little bit more, but I do think he did. Yeah, so quite a stirring. You know, I expect Anthony Miller to pick up that slack this year, but no, it was Darnell Mooney, the rookie, so great showing from him. Another one of my favorite players, we're going to move over to the defense, Kyle Fuller. And the thing that stands out to me about the corner, Kyle Fuller, not all, not all the way is his pass coverage there, but in my eyes, the best part about his game is his tackling, his ability to hit runners, his ability to wrap very up in physical. the open field. He's a very physical corner, and for that reason, I love how he plays. Yeah, I love the hell out of Kyle Fuller, too. I remember, I think it was like week three or week four. I don't even remember who we were playing. I think it was the Giants, and he just had this one big hit, just lays this guy out. Me and my buddy love that type of stuff, and you don't really see that in the NFL anymore. You can't really hit people the way you used to and stuff. But, uh, They're clean hits, too. Oh, They're and very, clean very hits. clean hits. But uh, I also have to kind of switch my uh, – I have to also go with my boy David Montgomery, you know, the kid out of Alabama. Fucking – this kid is just an absolute monster. And we don't use him enough. You know what I mean? Our run game has been really lackluster for the past two years because Nagy seems to want to run this sort of Andy Reid-esque offense that's just it, – it's not really working too well, but – David Montgomery had 247 attempts for 1,070 yards, eight touchdowns. And, you know, for him only running the rock, maybe, I don't know, he had maybe like 15, 16 attempts per game sometimes it felt like. For him to put up these kind of numbers is just absolutely mind-boggling. And I think he's one of like maybe four or five uh, running backs that broke 1,000 yards this year. And we're talking about with the likes of guys like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. So... That's another reason that I really like him. He was tied for fifth in total rushing with James Robinson. So quite the season for him. And Montgomery actually was from Iowa State out of college. A third round steal. A third round steal. So, And I do agree. I do agree with you. He is very underutilized out of that backfield. 
to barely break a thousand for how beast mode he was going down the stretch when you look at how he played versus minnesota jacksonville if they used him like that the entire season he could have very well broke 1500 oh easily and that's the crazy part about it is i me and my everybody i watch the games were sitting there we're just watching the tv in frustration as like trubisky drops back 30 times a game or Foles was dropping back 30 times a game and it's just like you have this stud in david montgomery and you're just not using him or we're doing these like bubble screens to Corderell Patterson and stuff. And it's just like all of these little things that aren't working, but you have this guy that you're just basically not, you're, you're basically letting him bench warm. And it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, some questionable moves there. My last favorite player I'm going to talk about is Jimmy Graham. And while he has no hair, he is head and shoulders above <laughs> everyone else in the red zone. I love the I love the guy's red zone presence. I think he had eight or nine touchdowns this year. Just shows a glimpse of that. He still has it. He broke. Actually, here's a little uh, here's a little tidbit of information. I'm pretty sure he either tied or broke George Hallis's uh, tight end record. Wow. Or no, I'm not sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Not George Hallis. It was uh, um, Mike Ditka. That's my bad. Right, Ditka. Those are these are just little pieces. I haven't wrote, I didn't write these down in my notes, but these are things that are coming up now. But it was it was Ditka. That's a nice nugget. A little dick information for yeah. you. Um, yeah. But no, okay, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine, man. Did you have one more favorite player you wanted to nod your cap to? Uh, Roquan Smith, man. <laughs> that kid was a complete Pro Bowl snub. He ended the season with 98 tackles, four sacks, one forced fumble, t- two picks. And, you know, he was just basically all over the field. You asked him to drop down and run the blitz or you ask him to drop back into zone coverage whatever it might be this guy was just all over the field doing basically everything we asked him to so that's just one little uh, that's one piece that i wanted to add in there as well so right roquan smith was great he was he was a great presence in the middle of that defense uh we can't talk about the positives without outlining some negatives so on that note i'm gonna go with one of my most disappointing players from this year I'm going to put them in tandem, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Whether it was skipping stones or airing the ball 30 yards over their head, Trubisky skips stones, Foles overthrows. It was pretty ugly to watch for a majority of the season. You had a sparkling performance against Atlanta by Foles. Trubisky was on fire versus Jacksonville, but that's Atlanta and Jacksonville. Not really the gold standard. So overall, I'm very disappointed in that position. Yeah, and you know what, man? I have to also agree with you because Nick Foles was the first one on my list right here. And you know what? He was brought in to start after we were at, I think it was a 3-0. and We were 3-0 and on the season to start. And then Trubisky had a few bad plays, one bad drive. And then all of a sudden, he's benched for Nick Foles. And, like, everybody was super excited. I was super excited about the Nick Foles signing when I found out about it. I'm like, oh, my God, we've got this guy who can come in. <laughs> we've got this guy who can come in. And, like, let's say we let Trubisky play out the regular season. We get to the playoffs and we put Foles in and let him do his thing. You never know what might happen. Because, like, 2018, we were a double doink away from the NFC Championship game. But, you know, and then all of a sudden, it just started to crumble because... You need a mobile quarterback in this league. With the way defenses are these days and how fast that they've gotten, 
you need a mobile quarterback. So that's why, yeah, I do agree with you where Nick Foles is definitely one of my top most disappointing. Yeah, another disappointing player for me, I'm going to go to the offensive line, Jermaine Fetty. After James Daniels went down very early in the year, they switched Cody Whitehair to right guard. Sam Mustafer did a nice, nice job at center. Really disappointed with how Fetty's played this year. Not really too thrilled with Bobby Massey either. There's not much to be said about the trenches. They didn't run as much as they should have, but the pass protection did not hold up on Afedi's side. No, definitely not. And you know what? It's funny that you bring up Massey and Afedi because, you know, those are two guys that they they were good at certain positions on the line, but we started making all these different changes and stuff like that. And we noticed some improvements here, and then there were some declines here. But the pieces are, are just aren't there on our offensive line right now. There's something going on. There's some, it's something with coaching or whatever it might be that something isn't happening right. And let me just go on for a second right now and just say something about Charles Leno. This man is the largest and most paid... Excuse me, speech impediment. This man is the largest and highest paid speed bump I have ever seen on an offensive line. It is ridiculous. The more times I've seen him just fall over in an attempt to block and lay on the ground rather than getting in the guy's grill and blocking him is absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm right there with you on the offensive line struggles. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying. You talk about subbing guys like Ambright Arlington and additionally Alex Bars playing a couple spots in there. There was a lot of inconsistency, you know, when you talk about getting cohesivity with an offensive line unit. Uh, but exactly. Leno, Leno, Leno was there the whole year. He really anchored the left tackle exactly. spot. Exactly. So, so he has absolutely no excuses, and right. we're bringing in guys off of the. We're bringing in guys like practice squad guys, you know, basically throwing them to the wolves. Like here, do your thing, and you've got this guy who's supposedly supposed to be some brick wall offensive lineman that we have as a starter, who's not doing anything. Richard Coward too. So that's another, another offensive one. <laughs> cowardly you know it, the wizard of oz is a cowardly lion he's the cowardly bear that's what i would say there yeah right um i like so that. another disappointing player buster screen do i need to say what needs to be said we don't we don't yeah, even need to no, waste breath don't. on him but everyone sees what happens on those crossers bust. and those slants he's in no man's land oh yeah yeah it's like he doesn't even know what he's doing out there especially in it and I think he could be good if we would just play him to certain strengths that we know he has. But, you know, we got to also remember our defense had a lot of struggles, especially like right mid-season towards the end. And a lot of people might say that like, oh yeah, they're giving up because we can only put up 10 points a game. And which that might be true. I wouldn't want to personally go out there and hold a team to less than 10 points a game because I know my offense can't do it. But, you know, staying on topic with that, it's another thing to basically completely miss assignments and not look like you know where you're supposed to be on the field. And that's what I saw with Buster Screen all year. So did you have a third player in mind or was it Buster Screen? Uh, no, it was actually Robert Quinn. For the amount oh, that we, yes. yeah, for the amount that we paid this guy, you know, he's on a five year contract for seventy million dollars. Thirty million of it is in guaranteed money. He, here, he got 14 tackles, two sacks, three forced fumbles, and one recovered fumble for $30 million guaranteed over five years. 
And that's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and I'm not even going to bring Khalil Mack into this equation because I think we all have seen that Mack gets held on literally every single play and double teamed and held at the same time and none of it gets flagged. So you would think that we would have at least a little bit more production from our other pass rusher, but from what we saw, I never heard his name come up once. Right, yeah, he was overall ineffective. That's a great selection. So let's let's talk about some team strengths of the Chicago Bears. You know, it wasn't the season that some of us dreamed about. There were definitely <laughs> glaring weaknesses. But I think an overall strength has to be, you know, credited somewhat to the corners. I know that can be a reach with, you know, us dogging Buster Screen, but I liked how Jalen Johnson played, and of course I previously talked Jaylen about Jalen Johnson I did en- play very well. I enjoy well. Kyle Fuller. This is the twelfth twelfth best defense in pass passing, so it's not a stretch to say they did pretty well at the corner spot. Oh, most definitely. And you know what? I think personally we need to trade away Eddie Jackson to free up some cap space because just to stay on topic of kind of like dogging the tra- dogging them, but at the same time giving them credit, we have these guys, you know, and Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, that can take those spots and they can play the defense that we need. But Eddie Jackson, man, ever since he signed that contract, he's just been on this decline. Yeah, Gibson. Gibson's a better safety, if you're asking my opinion on that. Oh, much, I mean, much, tackling, def- much interceptions. He has more but, in both those categories, and overall awareness and football IQ. It all goes to Gibson's way. Oh, it all does, and I think that he needs to start getting more snaps on that end because, you know, it's. I think it's also coming close to where Eddie Jackson's contract is going to be up. I think he signed like a three or a four year deal or something like that. But yeah. But another, but one thing that I think is a personal strength of this week uh, of this team, while we're on the topic before we get too far off track, is Cairo Santos. Man, that that kid can kick. So he finished the year thirty of thirty-two, two of three for from fifty plus and with a fifty-five yard long. We haven't had that kind of kicking production on this team probably since Robbie Gold. So that's one thing that we can definitely be thankful for that we have that's going to be solid because not having Eddie Pinero in the beginning of the season hearing that he got that injury I was left up in arms I'm like what the hell are we going to do are we going to end up with another Cody Parkey or are we going to find somebody who's going to be able to keep us in games and by all means Santos kept us in these games he did phenomenally yeah, all he was year almost, he was 93.8 accurate from field goal percentage this year mm-hmm. which is excellent for you guys uh you just need him to make a kick in the playoffs down the road so that's all you really need <laughs> you know yeah. the, the percentage goes out the window if you yeah. double doinks in the future just uh putting that out there exactly. uh, another strength on this team it's real uh, and... i would have to give you know i guess i have to give like some of the receivers credit darnell mooney Allen robinson you know there are flashes of excellence from the tight ends i thought cole Komet has a lot of potential it was just jimmy's time to shine uh, there's honestly, yeah. th- this is difficult. There's not that much great about this team. So I'm racking my brain for compliments here. <laughs> yeah. This was the hard one for me too, man. So, so don't th- feel I too guess bad. wide receivers kind of in the same sense as corners. I don't think they were the problem with the offense. No, not at all. And you know what? I'm also going to stick mine to the offensive side is I think we have a pretty solid running game. You know what I mean? As long as we're actually running the ball, that is so you got to think of having a guy like, you know, I'd go back to David Montgomery. I could tell you his stats again if I wanted to, but you already heard it. 
It's the fact that you have a guy who can make production, you know, other than passing the ball. And it seems like we just don't use him. And that's one of the biggest strengths that we have. It seemed like this kid can just, it never, he's never brought down by the first guy, it seems like. He's always fighting for it. He gets right. at least a few yards on every attempt that he gets the ball. And that's something that, you know, needs to be really taken into account. Yeah, I yeah, I, I give Montgomery a lot of credit. Um, I personally am a Jags fan, so the Bears surprised me in a lot of ways with Montgomery coming out of the gates this season, breaking a thousand yards. Really impressed by him overcoming. He missed several games with injury. A lot of people don't know that. So when mm-hmm. you factor in his yep, time missed and his production off the back end of the season, you know, that is absolutely a team strength. You know, maybe not Ryan Nall. I wouldn't, <laughs> I would not say. No, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say Ryan Nall in this situation at all. You but. know, um, I, but uh, I like Montgomery. So I agree with you there. Uh, I don't have any more strengths. Do you? I mean, I was going to say our punting game because we do have a good tendency of getting punts back within like the 10 yard line and kind of getting them off to areas where people you know there's a chance that it could like go out of bounds or something like that because pat o'donnell's a pretty solid punter but that was one that i was just kind of leaving for like an emergency topic because you know that was just one of those ones that i was kind (laughs) of we could have just segued we could have just segued we didn't have to give another strength all right we'll segue then we'll get it we'll get out of (laughs) time to segue okay (laughs) Uh, as there were a few strengths, this is going to be much easier. Weaknesses of the Chicago Bears. I'm going to start uh, minus four turnover differential with only 18 takeaways while you had 22 turnovers. Uh, a big factor in this is the quarterbacks. Another big factor, I would say, is drops in the open field. A couple tipped passes go the other way. I don't know like the initial where it started, but that was an issue, turnovers. Oh, it was a big issue. And, you know, it was on both sides of the ball that turnovers could have been better. Obviously, the offense could have played a lot cleaner, you know, not thrown so many interceptions, not had so much sloppy play. But also on the defensive side, you know what I mean? You have all these opportunities. Because I think uh, week 17 in that Green Bay game, we had Rodgers. We damn near picked Rodgers off twice, I think. So, yes. And you know those yes. are those are and those are just those were in the defender's hands. If you can just hang on to that, that's an opportunity for the offense to get back out on the field and hopefully maybe at least get something going. But you know, going off of that, I'm gonna say one thing that we have as a weakness is our rotation. We need to get more people involved, whether that be you know having more people out there in the secondary that don't get as many snaps to get them kind of adjusted or. You know, wide receivers that don't get to play as much, such as Riley Ridley. I'd like to see that kid get out there a lot more. I'd like to see Cole Komet get more snaps. You know, just having more rotation so you can open up the playbook a little bit more and kind of get a little bit more creative because the way Matt Nagy calls plays is very predictable. And I feel like if he were to get more uh, more players involved, he'd be able to kind of scheme a little bit differently and be like, okay, what's this guy good at? Or what's this guy good at? Maybe I can make him do this or make him do this. I don't yeah, know. It's just another. Yeah, yeah I, I agree um, with that premise. The defensive line in my eyes, why so much rotation? We paid Robert Quinn a lot of money to produce off the edge. Clearly, he did not. You had guys nope. like Roy Robertson, Harris, James Vauders, 
you know, if you forgot John Jenkins existed, you're not alone. There's just a lot of guys on that defensive line. Brent Urban, you expect to step up and, you and know. They just don't. Yeah, they just yeah. don't. Yeah, it's. You know. And Eddie it's Goldman pretty... did opt out, you know, prior to the season. And so we missed Eddie. Was, we was missed active. Eddie this year. Oh, my God. Not having him down there was a tough thing to deal with. As soon as I heard he opted out, it's one of those things that you have to respect it. But you're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, right. It's one of it's like it's like having an injury on your team. It's like he tears his ACL the first game of the season or something. It's just like one of those things that hits you. You're like, he's not going to be here. Yeah, he uh, he did not even board ship for the sale of this season's voyage. Uh, I was really disappointed. Right. I was disappointed. I mean, personally, I was disappointed in Khalil Mack. I know he he did rack up nine sacks. I know he was getting held a lot. Uh, I think it really boils down to frustration at overall production and wanting the star player to do more than he really should, you know, carrying more responsibility. Yeah, doing too yeah much. so I feel like fans might have been a little frustrated that Mac wasn't ripping it up like Donald. But again, it's not his fault. It just is a bad look when other guys don't pull their weight. And you've got to remember Aaron Donald's on a team that can put up 25 to 30 points a game consistently. Right. Well, yeah, so. right there, that's a weakness right there. Right. You know, 26th in total offense, 22nd in total passing, 25th in total rushing, 22nd in red zone efficiency. What what in that whole stat line jumps out to you? What is a word? The word that comes to my mind is inconsistency, and that's a huge problem, and it might stem back to the quarterbacks, but maybe it's coaching. You know what? And it's come down to, like, a lot of Bears fans and in a lot of different groups that I'm in. We are all over the place on opinions that we have as what to help this fucking team, man. And a lot of people are saying it's just solely the quarterback play. It's all on Trubisky or it's all on Matt Nagy because his play calling is bad. But you know what? I think personally it's a culmination of everything. It's a culmination of weak offensive line play, weak quarterback play because he can't deliver down the field. It's bad play calling because we shouldn't be doing bubble screens on third and 18 going for four yards and then acting like we're confused as to why it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, we've got receivers we've got receivers that are dropping passes. We're not running the ball. There, there's a lot of things that are going into why we're not a pro, proficient offense, and it's not just going down to one person or one aspect of it. It's a, a huge, huge ordeal that we've got that we have to deal with. Right, so it's... It's kind of everything hitting the fan all at one moment. And that would reflect how the season has gone. And it's really surprising to me the Bears, you know, were in the playoffs this year because, wow, some of the play, especially like week 17, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. Oh, they know. did not look like they wanted to be no. there one bit. And that's why they got the Nickelodeon game. Just saying. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, that Nickelodeon game was a riot, though. I watched <laughs> it. It was a lot of fun. But um, no, because you know what, man, I think we were sitting there in that week 17 matchup with the Packers and we were like, you know what? The only reason we're in the playoffs is because there's an extra spot. We just managed to squeak in because the Cardinals lost. And you know what? We knew that we were playing the Saints. We're not going to beat them. They beat the hell out of us earlier in the season. We had to go to overtime with them and barely then they barely squeaked by with a win. But it was just one of those ugly matchups that's just hard to watch and you get you know, you go into this next game and you're like, how are we going to beat these guys? Because the Saints were red hot at the end of the year. 
You know, going back to that game you're talking about, Foles pulled you out of a 10-point deficit with like five, six minutes left in that game. I still don't know how he did that. You know, there were really shaky throws, a couple penalties. Komet almost fumbled the game away to DeMario Davis. And then at the very end, somehow you guys tied it up. I still don't know how you did that. I remember watching and just being like, Look, man, I didn't. I was just as, I was. Oh, go ahead. I'm I was. Sorry. I just remember watching it, being like, "How did we get here?" Because I didn't see any splash plays. Nothing crazy happened. You guys, you guys just figured out a way to throw up ten points. I don't know. And you know what? I had honestly stopped watching the game after. Uh, God, what was it? Uh, Javon Wims. He smacked the hell out of. Uh, Chauncey what, Gardner Johnson. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah. I, as as soon as I saw that happen, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." That's an interesting turn of events. And then Nick Foles throws the worst interception I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm like, yep, I'm turning this game off. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I managed to catch some highlights of that one, but I didn't watch the entire thing all the way through. You would have just been disappointed later. So you yeah, saved yourself and, some grief. Yeah, I guess I did there a little bit. But, you know, that's kind of the way it, that's kind of the thing that I've gotten used to is being a Bears fan because I have I have actually some really close friends that are Green Bay fans and they always get so disappointed for the past two years they're like man we must suck we lost the NFC championship a game and I'm like haha well at least I know by like week six that my team sucks yeah it's like my heart's not broken yours yeah just exactly I, I knew this was gonna happen <laughs> jokes on you my life already sucks Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. So knowing that life sometimes does suck as a Bears fan, can you give us some hopeful trajectory to where the team could go next season? Well, I mean, I would just all around. My big thing is I want to see Bill Lazor call in the plays from now on because there was a streak between, I think, like week 14 to week 16 where he was calling the plays. And we were putting up good numbers. Trubisky was looking like an MVP quarterback, which is weird as hell to say. And, you know, the, we were beating out teams pretty well. And it looked like we were going to make a run right at the right time because we had just, we were having obviously playoff hopes and stuff like that. And I remember we played the Jaguars. And like we talked about earlier, you guys were kind of tanking this year, which it wasn't yep. that much of a win. It <laughs> Not even that subtle much. about it. <laughs> no. And you know what? That's cool. You guys want to go get Trevor Lawrence. That's awesome. I totally like that. But um, no, I just I was remember sitting there. I'm like, man, where the hell was this all year? And then I read online that uh, uh, Matt Nagy gave up play calling to Bill Lazor. And I'm like, well, where the hell was this? We could have been. We could have been top of the NFC North if we were playing like this. Right. I mean, I can't go that far because you had guys like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook on the Vikings. And you go up to Green Bay. You got Devontae uh, Adams and Aaron Jones. Just saying, running back wide receiver tandem is Montgomery and Robinson on those echelon levels. That's debatable. Well, I... Well, that's the thing is like you have to scheme around your quarterback strengths and that's kind of what bill laser was doing with trubisky that's why he was putting up the good numbers that he was right so so coaching adjustments giving the reins to laser what are what's another thing that you would like to see changed or adapted for future success I want to see us draft a few offensive linemen get a, get ourselves a nice left tackle Amen. and right tackle in the draft some some late round guy that you know you sign him to a quick rookie deal not much money see how he produces and then if all else goes to and if it goes to worse you trade him away in a few years right you know 
you know, you you just want to get some depth. You're not you're not really losing much in something like that. A late draft pick, you know, just get a couple of offensive tackles. You're not losing much, and if you know, there's always a chance that they come out and they are basically the whole, like the whole face change of that offensive so, line, because those young guys they're they're right, hungry, right. they want so it. So where do the Bears pick in the first round this year, and what position should they select? Well, I mean that's kind of subjective uh, via which Bears fan you would be talking to, because I'm not exactly sure what our first draft pick is, but. I would like to see us go for something offensive line for our very first pick, just to get that kind of off of our shoulders and to think, just give us some kind of hope that Ryan Pace is knowing how to pick a good, like a, is going to pick a good draft. Get an offensive lineman early and fill us with that little bit of confidence. If you feel like you need to draft a quarterback, that's fine. Go for a guy in the second round or something like that that you can have on the bench and bring in a guy to kind of mentor him or something like that because I'm also hearing like around the wire that they might sign Trubisky to another like a little bit of an extension or something like that but I've also learned that you really don't listen to anything that the media says until it's a hundred percent set in stone okay okay so I just I just googled it quick uh you guys are slated to pick 20th currently before any trades happen and you're projected to go quarterback. Mac Jones is who you're predicted to go for on the Chicago Bears site called Fansided. Okay. I wouldn't be mad if we picked up Mac Jones, honestly. But, you know, it's 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 not a matter of getting a quarterback who you think is good. It's about coaching him to be good. And there's one thing that I've learned about being a Bears fan for almost 15 years is that we do not coach quarterbacks good at all. I mean, Jay Cutler. That's, like, enough said, right? <laughs> yeah exactly but you got to remember jay cutler was also kind of like emotionless he didn't really he wasn't much of a leader he was just kind of that cannon arm guy that no knew how to get it right. done. uh there's speculation right now that mitch trubisky will resign for the bears and his teammates are actually proud of his resurgence towards the back half of the year so if he does come back you know he is a free agent uh, you're saying they just need to coach Trubisky up more and they don't need to draft a, another quarterback for safety? Well, personally, I would draft a quarterback for safety just because, you know, always injury can happen. There's a number of things that go into it. Obviously, you want that guy who can be, you know, sitting on the bench ready to go whenever. But personally, you know what? And there's one thing that I have noticed about this Bears team, like listening to press conferences and stuff like that, is his teammates have faith in him. They do. They really do have faith in Mitch. They like him a lot. They like him as a player. He seems to be a good leader in the locker room. He's got mature, or he's got poise. He's mature. He's handled a lot of adversity being the Bears quarterback for the past two years as well. This kid has been absolutely mercilessly just bashed and just dogged by the Chicago Bears fan community and somehow has just came back out and gotten basically like I like he said better at the end of the season because I think he personally feeds off of that type of thing I think it makes him want to be better. you know you know who Mitch Trubisky is right like you know the perfect comparison for Mitch Trubisky it's Blake Bortles when you actually break down where he was drafted he was drafted second Bortles drafted third Think about the one great season he had, carried by the defense, carried by the defense. Think about being a free agent, performing well enough to get re-signed, 
making your teammates back you after the Jags beat the Steelers in the divisional round. Malik Jackson was like, that's our quarterback. While y'all are sitting on your asses at home, that's our quarterback. So the teammates rallied around him. He played good enough to instill faith in him moving forward. But we all know how this story ends. And I think this is a perfect comparison. You know what? And I'm not going to rule that out either because there's anything can happen. This is the NFL and that's what's great about it. Anything can happen. But it's okay to have a little bit of faith. No, you can <laughs> you can believe in a kid. Just if you look at what's happened, you can draw so many parallels between Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles. Oh, it's it's uncanny the similarities, man. So you know, and especially as a Jags fan, I noted that like day like day one of Trubisky's third season, I was like, you know what, this is just feels like an awfully eerie story to me because we've lived through this before. And now you guys are living through it. And I feel like Trubisky's just two or three years behind Bortles. But hopefully, hopefully he can flip the script, you know? Hopefully it can be different. It would be really it would be really cool to see him do that, honestly. And you know what? Like I said, it could be another Blake Bortles story. And then in come 2022, we're scrambling to find another quarterback. But, you know, if we can make something happen with Trubisky and maybe even possibly get a franchise quarterback for once, I am not going to be mad at all. Hey, man, I love your positive attitude. Is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with as we wrap up this episode? Uh, yeah, just a shout-out to my Packers fans. I hope the wound is still painful from your sad, sad NFC North our NFC Championship loss two years in a row. And to all my fellow Bear fans, a huge bear down. Nice, very nice. That is going to be a wrap, guys. We reviewed the 2020 season for the Chicago Bears. Stay tuned to the podcast. We have 31 more fan bases to go.